listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Hope you're having a great weekend and enjoying this uh, much cooler weather than what we had uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, great guests coming up on the show today. I'll introduce them in a second, but I wanted to, because I think only one or two people might care about this, but anyway, uh, my little balcony update, because I've been, as some of you know, I've been trying to actually grow edible things on my balcony. This is my first big year of doing it. Last week, I mentioned that I had uh, to Google what was attacking my jalapeno plant and it's aphids. And then once I put that online, everybody weighed in because apparently anyone who's ever tried to grow any sort of green or vegetable has had to battle these tiny little bugs. And uh, so I had all these like People sending me these like Wikipedia DIY, you know, suggestions for like natural ways to kill, kill these aphids. The other solution, I guess, which is really natural, and I'm just sharing this because I didn't realize, uh, oh, it makes sense, was people said you should get some ladybugs. And I said, well, that's a really, that's really useful advice because I live downtown, uh, in the concrete jungle and there are no ladybugs anywhere. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think I can walk into Shoppers Drug Mart and ask for ladybugs. So then a few people told me that you can order ladybugs by mail, and I thought they would arrive dead, but no, you can apparently order a thousand of them in a box from Costco, and they mail them to you, and you get a thousand ladybugs in a box. So I'm just trying to picture that for a minute. And then I had all of these people sending me tips on how you actually use the ladybugs. You don't just release them all from the box. You sprinkle a few every night, and the re- <laughs> this was the kicker. The rest of them, though, for those few days, you keep in the fridge. You keep your ladybugs in a box in a fridge. And that's when I was like, you know what, guys? I'm out. I I do not want to be opening up my fridge, looking like rummaging through for eggs and something to eat for breakfast and having this box of live ladybugs in there. Um, I also don't think I need a thousand ladybugs. But what a world we live in, friends, that if we need ladybugs, we can order them by mail from Costco to eat the aphids to save our plants, essentially. So my guest... (laughs) Oh, thanks, Mike. (laughs) Mike Trutler, of course, is a technical producer today. Uh, My guest in studio, I've got food writer and event host uh, Ivy Knight, who's also a big meat fan, and that will make sense when I introduce my second guest, who's Peter Sanigan from Sanigan's Meat Locker in Kensington Market. Um, Nice to have you both in here. I usually see Ivy at your events, and I see, well, Peter, sometimes I see you in, in the shop, but I'm there probably yeah. weekly. Um, so, Ivy, you run a series of free food events every night, uh, every Monday night at the Drake on Queen Street West. What's that called? That is called 86 Mondays, and it's been going on for seven years at the Drake seven? Hotel. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. So every week, there's like, uh, you usually have a bit of a theme, right? Well, every week it's something different, but it's always having to do with food or drink in some capacity, and it's always free and open to the public. And I often see, if I can't be there on a Monday night, I'll often see like these great photos on Instagram. You just did one recently, I know, with um, BC Blueberry, so it was all sweets. Yeah. I've been doing some work with them as well. I've got like 12 pints of blueberries in my fridge right now. Um, and... Coming up, and we'll talk a bit more about this, you're doing a butcher appreciation night. So a lot of the events you have also feature meat. Yeah, um, I try to temper that with things like the blueberry dessert battle. But I was just looking at my schedule and I've got pulled pork this Monday, butcher <laughs> appreciation party, 
the next Monday, a whole pig roast in August. It goes on and on. But uh, yeah, I love meat a lot. <laughs> like more than the average person, you would say? Oh, my my name on Instagram is Ivy Porkchop Night. So I'm crazy about meat. And I worked at, as a professional cook in restaurants for a long time, but I still didn't source my meat really properly mm -hmm. until Peter opened his butcher shop in Kensington. Because until then, I was just getting it at no frills and not really thinking about it. And then when Peter opened up shop, he kind of schooled me and changed the way I think about meat. And uh, I love him for that. Well, uh, <laughs> Those are very kind words. It's so, bear, bear. Peter, uh, Sanigans, has, you opened up a little, a tiny, tiny shop in Kensington. Uh, when was it? 2009? Like nine, your first, yeah, 2009. First shop. And then you've since expanded. You took over a larger that's right, butcher that's shop, right? right? Yeah. So, um, in 2009, I opened my little small shop in one of the last uh, historical Jewish butchers in Kensington Market, and he was ready to, re to retire. Um, and I s used it as an opportunity to open my, my food store that I had wanted to open for a while since I was a chef before for about 15 years and uh, wanted a bit of a change. So I went in, decided that it would be a butcher shop, decided that I would celebrate all the farmers and producers that I had used in restaurants in Ontario. Um, yeah, and so it was a 400-square-foot shop, and then three years later, uh, the iconic European meats uh, down Which the street. Which is a large space. It was a very large space. And uh, they were they decided to pack up the business in Kensington Market and, um, and just go out to uh, Etobicoke where they already had a shop. And that left that space open. So the landlords came to me and said, is this something you want to do? And I said, yeah, let me think about it over <laughs> some, some foe with my wife and... We thought about it, and yeah, we just took the took the plunge because it was quite an expansion from the original tiny shop that you had. It was, yeah. Like yeah. It, it wasn't just a matter of <laughs> like, was... well, we'll just bring on yeah. a few extra meats. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I, I talked to all my farmers first, and they were they were up for the the expansion in product. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, it wasn't going to be that hard for them. I, I, I was quite a small a small space, um, so that was fine. And then it was just a matter of the money and. I mean, in seven years, it's kind of, yeah, it's going to be seven years now in business. I'm only learning now, like scratching the surface of of what it's like to actually run an organization. Mm -hmm. You know, when I opened it, I, I knew food costs for a restaurant, kitchens, right? You know, so opening a business is a lot different, and then jumping into some bigger space like that is. Like I look back and I was crazy for <laughs> wanting to do it. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to be naive because it, it yeah, yeah. makes you a bit bold, right? You're like, yeah, wow, it, yeah, I yeah. can do this. It yes. can't be that bad. Ign ignorance is the best. <laughs> it is. Ignorance yeah. is bliss. If you have any questions about uh, meat, whether it's what to buy, prepare, or if you're confused by some labeling, you just have. If you have any questions, you can text in, of course, seven ten ten to text, and uh, you know Peter and even Ivy can try to answer your questions. If you want to call in, you can four one six. Eight seven two ten ten. Throughout the show, we'll talk a bit more about the events that Ivy's hosting, uh, and also just because we do have Peter here from Sanigans, um, I'd love to because I I'm not a huge meat eater. When I go into the shop, this mm -hmm. is the thing I get overwhelmed, <laughs> and I have for I'm years so sorry. And, <laughs> because there's so many choices. But I have for years. I go in almost weekly. But I yeah. I, I was thinking about it uh, yesterday, and I thought. 
I think I've only ever bought four or five different things because <laughs> I know exactly what I want. I know exactly where it is within the fridge. But the bacon's on one yeah. end and then the ground turkey's on the opposite end. Yeah. So I make yeah. my way down to the yeah. back first. And then when they say, can I get you anything else? I'm already standing by the bacon. I'm like, yeah, I want this. <laughs> so I've always gotten the same thing. Because, uh, but I think that's um, because I just I, I'm not sure how to order. I right, I right. know that your staff is very helpful. And then there's yeah. also that element of being a bit shy and, going course, and not wanting to ask a silly question. But yeah. this is the time to ask all those silly questions because uh, because Peter is here. So again, yeah. you can text in at 71010 or call in. Summertime, I'm sure that you know a lot of you are outside grilling, camping, whatever it is. If you've got questions, you can call in as well. 416 you know, after the break, we'll talk a bit more about this. So it's a butcher appreciation event, right, that you're doing in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. it's a okay. butcher appreciation party. Oh, a party. A party. So yeah. is it l- it lots of butchers there? Is that it? It's um, all any butcher that wants to come is welcome to come. Mm-hmm. Mostly the gang is the Sanigan's Meat Locker crew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, butchers from all over the city are welcome and we just hang out on the north patio at the Drake Hotel and Peter sets up a grill and he's grilling live. Yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> so for me, it's really important to take care of my staff, obviously. So we have, every summer we go away to a farm and have a big barbecue and then Ivy suggested a couple of years ago, let's do this butcher appreciation party too at the Drake and we can do some, some food and, and all that stuff, which I think is a rad idea. So, yeah, we've been doing it now. Is it is this the third year? This is yep. the third year. Time flies. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a great time. There's uh, tons of people out having usually sausages. Of, mm-hmm. and that, like it's a barbecue. Yeah. And it's totally free. Um, I'm usually at the end of the night filthy and sweaty. <laughs> and someone's like, here, have a beer. And I'm like, I have no time. <laughs> I have no time. I'm grilling. I'm grilling. I'm grilling. So, but yeah, no, it, it's a great, it's a great night, and uh, it starts you, you, yeah, at around eight time o'clock. It starts, Ivy. Starts at eight o'clock. Yeah. So what I, I think it's great because uh, Monday nights are kind of a quiet night for a lot of restaurants in the city, or mm. even for people who, whether or not you're in the industry, but for people who go out, they don't often. Oh, they don't often go out on a Monday night, and and so the option is there to check out the event. So it starts at eight, and uh, I know that you always you promote what the themes are every week, right? So people know what they can sample coming up, which is kind of fun. Yeah, everything's promoted uh, through my social media channels on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and the Drake Hotel, which has a much bigger social media footprint. So if you follow the Drake Hotel on any platform. They promote it as well. Okay, great. We've got a uh, actually we've got a question from Glenn on the line. Hey, Glenn, how are you? Pretty good. I listen to your show every week, every weekend. Oh, great. I'm so glad. So we've just got a quick minute here. Did you have a question for Peter? Yeah, um, I'm having a hard time finding either skirt steak or hanger steak in the city. And most of my butchers I go to don't usually have it. Does your butcher... Glenn, uh, I, I have that stuff every week. <laughs> Peter just threw his hands up in every the air. Every week, man. <laughs> you know, okay. no, I, I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, to answer your question, yes, I, we do carry it at uh, okay. my shop. Um, and it is definitely something that you should be pushing wherever you go. Uh, you mm-hmm. should be pushing them to say like, hey, look, can you special order it for me? Is it something that maybe you can you can let me know somewhere in my area where I can get it? Because those are both delicious cuts. Yeah, they and, are. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. most people are getting stuck on flank steak now. Yeah, yeah, I know. And flank's gotten really expensive too. Yeah, uh, yeah I know. I know. It's, it wasn't always okay. like that. But yeah, okay, thanks thank for calling. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll probably be going down to Kensington Market. Are you open on Sundays? We are. Uh, okay. 10 till 6. Okay, I'll probably be there tomorrow. Cheers, okay. man. See you then. Great. Thanks, Glenn. Have thank a great you. weekend. Bye.
All right, so we're going to take a quick break here uh, on the Pay Chen Show. You're listening to In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now, back to the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great Saturday afternoon. My guest in studio, Ivy Knight, food writer, event host, also a meat lover, which is why she's great friends with my second guest, Peter Sanigan from Sanigan's Meat Locker in Kensington Market. If you have uh, any meat-related questions, whether it's, you know, buying, sourcing, preparing, uh, you can text in 71010. You can also call in 416-872-1010. Just read a text to Ivy and Peter during the break. Uh, a farmer who said, my farming business couldn't survive without the support of both Peter and Ivy. And then uh, when I said that it's Murray, Ivy, you mentioned that your pig roast that you're doing, is it Monday? Uh, no. no, next month, August 22nd, okay. is a Cuban pig roast. And the pig is come is a heritage pig that is coming from Murray Thunberg's farm. Very nice. Mm. Well, he's listening, so that's great. Um, <laughs> <Hi> and <Mary>. <laughs> so... Peter, uh, I went was on the website just to kind of get a little background on yeah. you, and I was really interested in reading that when you were 17 years old, your family moved to Hong Kong, and you stayed yes. there for a couple months. Yes. I what did. was that like for you? It was fantastic. Um, I was at a, a particularly uh, interesting age, <laughs> 17 years old, where you think you know everything, but you know nothing. <laughs> and, I, and I realized that uh, – so a bit of background – my father worked for a company um, and uh, had, had the opportunity to be transferred to Hong Kong for a two-year contract. So he discussed it. We all discussed it as a family, and it was decided that that's what they were going to do. Um, I wasn't finished high school here yet, so I decided to go over there, uh, experience a few months living there, um, and then come back and finish my uh, my OACs, which don't exist anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, so that's what I decided to do. So I went over there. Um, I didn't go to school or I, I didn't have a work visa, so I didn't work over there. Um, but what I did do is I, I kind of wandered around and checked out things like the fish markets mm-hmm. and the vegetable and fruit markets and everything like that. And it's just, just for, for a kid who grew up in Ontario on uh, going to like the A&P and you mm-hmm. know, the grocery store chains, seeing stuff like that was just, it was mind blowing. I, I, I At the time, I, I didn't really think that I had a passion for food, but... After that, I was like, this, I got to learn more about this. Well, you had a curiosity at least, right? Because I think at 17, you could easily just stay in and play video games. You wouldn't have to really be that curious. I'm too old. That, that's <laughs> <know>. before. No. <laughs> I'm actually very young. Um, you are. <laughs> <laughs> very, very young. No, uh, uh, yeah, I suppose so. But um, yeah, I, I mean, when an opportunity like that comes up, no matter what age, if you have any kind of... Um, thought of, of wanting to experience the world, I think you kind of have to take that. So, What yeah. really, um, I guess, what stood out in your mind when you were over there? Like, what did you see that really blew you away or had some sort of lasting impact? Um, specifically, actually specifically, uh, there is, so if you know Hong Kong, um, it's basically a series of islands. There's the mainland and there's the main island and then there's different islands. Uh, I lived on one of the larger ones called Lantau. And, um, but then there's even smaller islands and, uh, each one of them has, you know, these, these really, uh, great little fishing villages. And some of them have like, uh, uh, seafood restaurants all lined up along the pier that are very, they're only outdoor seating. And you go there and it's all the, the large family style dining with the lazy Susan in the middle. And there's like whole steam groupers and, and fantastic vegetable side dishes and stuff. And, 
for me, I, I mean, that, the, just mind blowing. At 17 years old, an Ontario kid who I spent much of my youth in Owen Sound mm-hmm. and Southampton up north represent Southampton. Um, <laughs> but you no, know, like for that, that for that, and, and then much of my my teenage years in, in Toronto. Um, seeing that kind of stuff was just mm-hmm. it was just fantastic so that in the sense of um the sense of community that 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 surrounds dining yeah um which is very very strong in the in the chinese culture mm-hmm. um and also that, the importance of fresh like it's not a it's not yeah. a sec, it's not an afterthought whereas in north america we often buy we shop for the week, that's the case for a lot of people. They do the big shop, yeah. and it's the last one for the week. Whereas in you know parts of uh, well, my family's from Taiwan, so when I go there, the kitchens are tiny. You buy mm-hmm. daily. You just go and you buy what's fresh, and that's how you cook. And that's that's just the way of life. Like to buy for five days ahead would like my aunt <laughs> will look at me like, why would you ever do that when you can yeah. just go down to the old lady on the corner who's got a couple of who's got the fish or the you know the yeah. clams and some vegetables. Um, so I think that it's just a it's a kind of a different way of oh absolutely and it's thinking and, and I I do see those types of shoppers in the market which is really nice being having a store in Kensington Market mm-hmm. I, I imagine the same type of thing happens in St Lawrence Market where you'll see the same faces uh, on a daily basis because. They they shop and eat that way, uh, and it is really wonderful. But um, it's a societal uh, uh, way of thinking that I would love if everyone did that here. But uh, it's and it's time yeah. and convenience. I mean, Ivy, I, of course. I feel like we 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 are self employed. We run around, but we also work in food. So you, we kind of have uh, the advantage of knowing people like Peter or other farmers and suppliers and, and shops where we can source things that are very local. It's true, and we have uh, sort of our job is to seek out places like that so that it's almost negligent to only go to the big box stores. We have to go and find the best purveyors that we can. And being in the city, a city especially like Toronto, gives us so many incredible options. Now, Ivy, when you started your um, 86 at the Drake, so seven years, what was your goal with that event? Were you just like, you know what, Monday's kind of a quiet night, I'll get people out? Oh, uh, that was the Drake's goal. My goal. They asked me to host it. Um, I don't really know why, actually, but (laughs) I'm glad that they did. (laughs) It's because I was working in the kitchen part-time cooking, Mm -hmm. and the rest of the time I was media. So I was writing about food, and I was going to a lot of media events where I would see cooks and chefs from other kitchens. So for me, 86 became a night to bring all these cooks and chefs from around the city together, and it was an industry night where I would always provide something free to bring them all together. And chefs love free beer, so usually it was free beer. And it just sort of morphed into a night that was open to everyone. Industry still comes, but more and more um, just regular people who love food and wine and spirits are coming out. And it's just building constantly, and uh, the lineups are getting more and more out of control. But it's still (laughs) a lot of fun. So should we go early? Is Is that the key? Um, you don't, no, it's not, that's not the key because mm-hmm. the lineup starts at eight. The food always starts at eight thirty, and the lineup doesn't change. You know, right. as soon as it there's starts. There's always people waiting? There's always people waiting. Okay. So be prepared for maybe a little bit of a wait, but it's always a good time. Yeah. The lineup always does dissipate, you know, so it's, it's worth it to come have a beer or a drink, relax, and then. Hop on the line when you see it starting to dwindle. All right. So when we come back after the break, we'll talk. Uh, a few of you have texted in some really uh, great 
meat questions. Uh, so we'll get Peter to address that. I think this is a good one. Someone asked about uh, marbling and fat in beef versus fat on pork. Uh, so maybe we can, you know, clarify some of that a little bit for, for listeners. If you have questions, you can text in at 71010. You're listening to The Paychen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Back right after this. is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. How much do you know about meat? Probably not as much as my guest. So we're here to enlighten you. Peter Sandigan from Sandigan's Meat Lockers here as well as Ivy Knight, food writer and event host. Also huge meat fan, we've discovered. Um, Peter, a couple people have been texting in. Someone mm. was uh, asking about marbling and fat in beef versus the fat on pork, which I actually think is very... Um, like useful thing to, to yeah. explain. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in beef, okay, there's a, th- a few points here. Um, in beef, the marbling uh, uh, is usually due to a higher uh, uh, to a diet that's rich in carbohydrates. So a lot of like at the end of their life, um, farmers end up feeding uh, the animal more grain, sometimes corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why like corn-fed beef is a big deal, especially throughout the States um, and, and, and uh, throughout Canada as well. Uh, so with the higher level of carbohydrates, they get more energy at the end of their life. That turns into fat, um, and then that turns into marbling. That's where you get that beautiful, uh, you know, the, the ribeye steak with the marbling all through it. Um, and when you cook it, you eat it. It's it's kind of sweet mm-hmm. of sorts. Like we're in North America, our palates are used to that and, and used to wanting that in a steak. So uh, years ago, um, uh, the governing bodies that, that uh, decide these things uh, decided that the amount of marbling in beef is going to directly uh, reflect or sorry, affect its uh, grading. So AAA prime beef, those things, like the higher the, the number or the mm-hmm. higher the value, it's usually due to the more marbling. Okay, so triple um, A versus A. A, exactly. Okay. Um, so now the uh, uh, what's happening, though, is that a lot of people are interested in, in grass-fed and pastured beef. Yeah, I get a little bit confused about this because yeah. you'll all meet people who are like, no, I only eat grass-fed because of blah, 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 blah. And then others will say, no, yeah. I, corn-fed. I, I mean, Ivy, I, I don't know if you have a favorite or a preference, but I'm very confused by... I like Whether beef one's... that eats potatoes because I'm from <laughs> Prince Edward Island, so <laughs> potato-fed beef is good. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, again, uh, very high in carbohydrates. <laughs> so then, Peter, what is it? To, is um, one actually better than the other or that it, that's a tough question that's a personal mm-hmm. uh, that's a personal uh, opinion um in europe for example I, I traveled through france a while ago as well as i worked in italy when i was a cook and the beef there is very different than the beef we see here it's very lean and they prize that kind of lean grass-fed pastured beef mm-hmm. as opposed to what we're looking for that big kind of fat bomb mm-hmm. here right because mm-hmm. it coats fat your bombs. mouth yeah fat bombs <laughs> Everyone likes fat bomb. Uh, so that, that, that's the main uh, that's the main flavor difference anyways, is, mm-hmm. that, is that the grass-fed beef will have a more herbaceous kind of uh, uh, quality to it that uh, it, it is very lean. So people like that, mm-hmm. like people that are more kind of fat conscious right. will, will, will prefer the uh, leanness as well as um, – uh, it's it's uh, it, it, some people just consider it to be a healthier meat to eat, beef to eat. 
Um, it's also a bit tougher to chew. It it's can bit, be, yeah. You've got to chew it a bit more, and yeah. a lot of people don't like that. Like, my mother yeah. only wants corn-fed. Yeah. Oh, She's that's a right. corn-fed okay. lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> um, but going back to uh, the uh, the texter's original mm-hmm. question, um, the difference so, – so if that can explain a little bit of the beef, the pork – industry is a little bit different. The, the way that pork has been um, been bred mm-hmm. uh, since the 70s, I would say, is that it's being crossbred to eliminate fat because in the early 80s and late 70s, all of a sudden fat was terrible, butter mm. is out the door, you can't have fatty pork chops. Um, so you would get this kind of uh, insipid pork for the last you know 40 years um, that didn't have the internal marbling and uh, didn't have the fat cap on that, which is prized in many cultures right. for uh, for any of your listeners who appreciate lardo, uh, which is a cured, just pure back fat mm-hmm. uh, sliced very thinly on like some nice grilled bread uh, is marvelous and it's healthy and it's good for you. Um, you don't see it as much like the, the marbled pork, mm-hmm. but it is making a comeback, especially with uh, with farmers such as Murray, the, who we talked about earlier. Um who's raising these beautiful heritage breed pigs uh, that have like this fantastic internal marbling. And, and again, you're getting that um, that fat bomb, if you will, <laughs> Delicious fat that bomb. most people associate with like a ribeye. Right. But you're getting that in a pork chop now. So uh, you're mentioning with the pork, it's just perhaps not as common at the, at the moment in terms of buying pork to find like the marbling, but... At the moment, it's go. not, but there's, a, but there's a movement, right? And there's right. a movement... For uh, for more deliciousness, mm-hmm. and I think that's what drives most of our buying decisions uh, is cost and flavor. Right, right. So if you're shopping at like uh, like a like a Loblaws or a Costco or something like that, and there's nothing wrong with that, if you're going to those places, um, people like the consumer is going to drive what they what they carry. The earlier caller who asked about skirt and hanger, mm-hmm. if people ask for it, right, they'll bring it in. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, okay, there's a market here. We're going to make some money. So if there's a, a demand for um, better, uh, uh, more well-raised pork, uh, grass-fed beef, um, fat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fatty fat fat, yeah, uh, people will bring it in. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it is key to know that you can ask, You can even yeah. if you don't see it. Because I was even, I think, um, when I was at Sanigan's once, it's because I was making chicken stock and uh, someone said why don't you ask at your butcher shop uh for the like the backs that yeah. you know yeah. and i'm like well i've never seen them in the case and someone said well no they're not going to put them in the case you have to ask for it. so i remember going in hi do you have the backs of chickens like and, and then you know they go out in the back yeah. and i get this yeah. bag for like three dollars <laughs> you know giant you know four pound bag of of chicken bits that i can make stock with so yeah. uh I wouldn't have thought to ask for something that I don't see. No, for sure. And I, I, I would like to say too, like that social media has such a presence now. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the times, some of the uh, some of the people that work at like the larger stores, they're not as educated, and, and their training program doesn't kind of talk on these points. But I mean, social media is such a big deal. If you if you tweeted to Costco and said, yeah. "Hey, I want hanger steak. I live here and I can't get it, and every time I go to your store, they don't have it, and I I, I really really would like this." Uh, what can you? How can you help me? Yeah, I mean, there, there's whole careers built on people that handle <laughs> those types of questions. That's true, and it, you know, as much as we're promoting, like you know, small butcher shop that's not access- accessible for everyone. Not everyone has a neighborhood yeah. fishmonger or butcher shop. So you know, if it is a larger grocery store, that is easiest for you. But you want a certain 
type of meat, yeah. um, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that you can't have it. Exactly. And I think I do myself a disservice sometimes, since the not knowing about business that well. Uh, <laughs> when I say this, because I think it's important that uh, I mean, if every large grocery train, chain mm-hmm. started going to small farm and said, "Okay, we're going to start a small uh, a small deal just with you," right, and and worked with that one farmer instead of having to go to like the food terminal and just getting from some you know, a uh, faceless uh, producer, mm-hmm. uh, it would it would make for a much more. I guess romantic buying experience, but even but a much more local experience. Now, uh, I think some people might assume that going to a special tea shop or a small butcher uh, means that you're paying a lot more. True? False? Um, there's different costs involved for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I'm not going to lie and say like I'm I'm cheaper than you know the metro, but I we base our prices and we have weekly meetings with my management about how we can kind of price ourselves so that we're not that much more than going to like the the corner grocery store mm-hmm. uh, or the big box grocery store. Th- that's personally how I do it. Um, there is different costs involved when you're bringing whole animals in and there's a specialized group of uh, professionals in the back that break things down as opposed to just buying things on styrofoam chain, uh, trays from right. You know the big animal warehouse in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so the, yeah, it, 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 when you get specialized service, mm-hmm. you're no matter if you're in a restaurant, in uh, you know buying a car, anything like that, you're you're go- you're going to have to pay a little bit more for it. But I believe that paying a little bit more uh, uh, to get like a really good product yeah. and and have that experience where you can talk to your butcher or talk to your your, your car salesman. Yeah, you absolutely. You know, it, it, it makes for a, a better life. And I'll, I'll say just based on experience, because I'm not a huge meat buyer, that, yeah. it, you know, I do buy, the, you know, I'll just go in just to buy, like, can I have two boneless, skinless chicken breasts? <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just have a yeah. pound of ground chicken? And can I have a pound of bacon? Uh, that the prices are truly quite similar for some of those basic items and yeah. versus the you know then at the grocery store so right. uh i think you need to if you know your prices then you can you can kind of compare for yourself or what i tell people who are big meat eaters is just eat less but eat better but yeah. you know that's yeah. i think that's totally appropriate if you're just indiscriminate and you're mm-hmm. picking out on meat all the time it's unhealthy and it's kind of disgusting and <laughs> i love meat but it doesn't mean i eat it like a maniac um if I pay more, I do so happily because what I'm getting is so good. I don't need to, you know, OD You don't need to have it. that much more of it. Well, you know, it's the fat bombs. So no, we're no, going to no. continue mm-hmm. the conversation with Ivy and with Peter after the break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Where opinions are celebrated. The Pay Chen Show on News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. My guest, Peter Sanigan from Sanigan's Meat Locker in Kensington Market. Also, Ivy Knight, food writer and event host. She hosts 86th at the Drake Hotel on Queen Street West every Monday evening starting at 8 p.m. Always a free event, so a good chance to go and check out some of the great uh, restaurants and chefs that are in the city. And they're usually... You know, cooking up something that you can sample, and there's well, the bar is always open too. <laughs> there's that. Uh, Ivy, you being such a big meat eater, do you have like a favorite thing you've been you've been uh, cooking up lately? I have two favorite things. Um, I don't like to spend a lot of time over a grill, so I have two favorites because they're super quick. Uh, the Buckeye pork chops. I call them pork chops, but they're really just like little thin. Are they chops, Peter? Um. 
you can call them boneless chops. Yeah. I, think, I think the word chop usually denotes a bone in there. That's yeah. how I, I think of it. But so they're they're buckeye pork yeah. things <laughs> that are, that bits. That's the, like yeah. thin part? pork cut from yeah. from the 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 uh, top end of the loin and towards the shoulder. So there's a little bit of fat marbling in there, and and like like they're a little bit tougher than like the but but when they're cut thin and grilled. Easily. Yeah, and they yeah. cook up so fast, and they're yeah. fantastic. And then I also love getting the Miami ribs, which are also called a few different things. They are. Uh, they're Okay, so Miami beef short ribs. Um, we're talking like the flanking cut, if mm-hmm. you will, but cut very thin, usually only about half an inch. Uh, very popular in uh, Korean cooking as a kalbi. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So marinated um, and grilled quickly. Um, I just got schooled on actually a, a, a delicious... Uh, Kalbi recipe recently by one of my Korean friends. Oh, um, what's that? And one of the one of the tricks that they do, which we uh, we are going to start doing at the butcher shop. <laughs> Good. What is <laughs> Thank it? Thank you, Rick. Uh, is actually sc- before you marinate it, you score the meat lightly, and then just you're you just, it's already very thin, mm-hmm. but you do a kind of a crosshatch scoring, and then just uh, pound the meat out a little bit, and then score it, and it absorbs the meat absorbs the the oh, marinade the that mm. much better. Oh, okay. And uh, and that's how you get those really crispy charred bits and and sweet sweetness. That's, uh, uh, what I was saying, um, <laughs> I was speaking during the break about how sometimes those lesser known parts of the animal, which still exist, and they have to you know get rid of them somehow, can often be really mm-hmm. delicious if you know how to prepare them, and also really cheap, like yeah. more budget friendly. So, do you have tips uh, for people who are looking for maybe less expensive cuts of meat that are still just as delicious? Absolutely. Um, so the one that uh, immediately jumps to mind is uh, our, our, our pork or lamb shoulder chops. Okay. Um, shoulder chops are pretty common, um, like in, in theory, <laughs> they're pretty common. <laughs> but they're common enough that you can you can probably find them at any grocery store. Mm-hmm. You might have to ask for them, but I mean, they, like I, I've seen them around. Uh, they're not as popular, I find, as like the loin kind of like the butterfly pork chop, say, or the... Um, uh, the kind of T-bones that you see a lot. Right. Um, but the shoulder chops there, so it's from the blade muscle of the, sh- of the, of the pork. Um, basically, it's a thin cut of the pork butt. Okay. Uh, with a little bit of bone in the middle. Um, and usually, like, we'll cut them at about three quarters of an inch. Uh, and they're great. You just marinate that with a little, you can do a little sage and garlic, salt, pepper, and then olive oil, and then just uh, a quick grill similar to the Buckeye chops that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And again, the fat bond flavor because there's more <laughs> fat in the shoulder. There's also a lot more flavor. Like a lot of souvlaki places, like really good souvlaki will be cut from the same area oh, okay. of the pig. And that's when you get that a bit of that chew. It's mm-hmm. not dry. Like a lot of times like pork chops can be dry. It's mm-hmm. never dry because it has that fat in there. Um, anytime... This is a bit of a side note, but anytime there's a working muscle on an animal, so like the legs or the shoulders, so they have to hold up the body, the frame, you're going to get a lot more flavor out of that. Um, brisket, for example, anyone out there that likes barbecue brisket will know exactly what I'm talking about. There's so much flavor in those cuts because they're holding up an animal's frame, right? Mm-hmm. The only the, the, the difficult thing is that you have to kind of take your time with these cuts and know what you're doing. It takes a bit longer, right, to... to- 
kind of break it down? It does. Well, most of those cuts are not thought of as like braising cuts or smoking mm-hmm. because it does take a long time. That's why I was talking about the the, uh, the pork shoulder uh, blade chops, though, because those are when cut thin enough um, that you can grill those up very easily and get a lot of that flavor. But, you know, within five minutes you have delicious, delicious meat. What's the weirdest request you've ever had where you've thought, oh, my God, no one's coming and asked me for this? <laughs> well, I, okay, so we do quite a bit of um, – uh, work with offals, mm-hmm. so things like beef heart, um, kidneys, uh, stuff like that. You might not, when if you come to the shop, you might not see them in the case, much like your chicken back uh, question, because you know there's not a lot of room for that stuff. Yeah. Like I'll put it, I, I'll put them out, but they, they don't. Uh, offals spoil really quickly, so okay. you have to either sell them really fast or freeze them. So we'll keep them in the freezer and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, kidneys, like the liver, obviously Mm -hmm. we have, so I I was like, okay, no problem. I can get all this kind of stuff. And I had a regular customer who had been reading, I guess, English cookbooks, um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and had requested spleen. Oh. Yeah. And Mm. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I have no idea what it tastes like And, and I've seen it in recipes. I could, for the life of me, I couldn't find it anywhere. Everyone I talked to was like. No, man. <laughs> no. We got we got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, that's in the dog food bin. <laughs> I, which is sad because and that and then that makes me think like I got to find this. Yeah. But it took me forever and I I had to disappoint this customer which I hate doing. Um He's he and I are we're, we're fine after that, but uh, <laughs> he made up. It's okay. Yeah, he we gave made him something up. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he just took the liver. <laughs> now, um, you know, Avi, when you were talking about how you've been cooking for almost ten years, you've been in the kitchens, and you weren't as let's say knowledgeable about sourcing. You know, until later on, you're like you realize that it was um, it made sense to find like local producers and farmers. Um, what changed your mind? Was it just meeting people like Peter or? Did you suddenly feel like you, you know, were more aware of, let's say, an animal's well-being, how they're raised? Yeah, uh, both of those things. I was aware of sourcing for restaurants, Mm -hmm. specialty and like top quality stuff for restaurants, but not for my own house. I just didn't know where to go. And I was raised in a family where we got everything from the grocery store and we didn't go to specialty shops. Um, but I met Peter, but also I had an assignment from an editor that I was doing some writing for, and he asked me to be a vegan for a month. So you wouldn't find, you wouldn't think that that would lead you to specialty <laughs> meat shops, but it did because being vegan for a month forced me to talk to a lot of people who were vegan and um, learn about factory farming, which isn't a lot of fun. And when you learn about that stuff, it sort of turns your stomach a bit. So once uh, the vegan thing took hold for a little while because it was hard to um, bring the blinders back down once Mm -hmm. they'd been lifted. So I stayed vegan for a little while and then my meat brain took over and I had (laughs) – I needed something's flesh. So then (laughs) – Which sounds so awful. (laughs) It does, but um, then it was like if I'm going to do this, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go to a place where – I'm pretty sure the animals had a better life than if I'm getting my meat for bargain basement prices. Right. So, yeah, that sort of uh, sent me in the direction of specialty butchers, and I've been a complete convert ever since. So not only Sanigans, but Cumbrays as well. And I should say that Stephen Alexander Mm -hmm. from Cumbrays has taken part in the Butcher Appreciation Party in the past. 
Um, but this year we said, no, get lost. We're just doing uh, Santa uh, events. <laughs> We're just going to have sausages. So that is, event is actually happening July 25th at the Drake Hotel. So it's the Butcher Appreciate Butcher Appreciation Party, 8 p.m., which is free. Um, now, Peter, we just have a couple of seconds left. I I, yeah. I guess we did. We kind of glazed over where you source your product from, but it's all smaller Ontario yeah, farmers, Yeah, so it's right? all smaller Ontario farmers. Um People that I'm in contact with weekly, if not myself, my managers, my butchers, uh, we're finding out uh, uh, things like what the animal is getting fed, how it's raised. We go and visit the farms. We see how the barns are, if they are in barns or if they're in, in on pasture, how it is. Uh, we mentioned Maria had a Canada Day every year. We do a staff appreciation party, and we did it at Murray's farm, actually. And it, that was fantastic, being around all the, the pigs and the eggs. He, he sells us uh, a lot of uh, heritage chicken eggs, which you can find all over the city. Um, it, it, just having that connection with the farmer is really, really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we get emails weekly from buyers from, like, Montreal getting stuff from Brazil, and saying like <laughs> on special like buy 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 and I'm like dude you have the wrong the wrong place yeah so yeah that that's really that that's to answer your question that's the where we get our stuff all right great so if you want to you can visit Sandigan's uh, open what are you closed at all during the week no we never okay. close they never close seven <laughs> days a week <laughs> seven days a week eight till seven all right great thank you both so much for joining me and thank I uh, I hope you get another request in you know this shop soon for something really strange and weird and I'll get to hear about it <laughs> ladybugs <laughs> ladybugs a thousand of them uh, have a great weekend everyone I'll be back next Saturday thanks